Hey, in the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice. And we're happy you're spending some time with us, Chip and Zay. Zay, what up, dog? My dog, what's up, man? I'm hyped oh. today. You ain't going to get much doomsday today, man. I'm pumped today. I'm pumped, baby. Oh, how you I doing? Can't, I can't. I can't wait to hear this. Give it to me. Hey, man, look, I was on that defense hard last week. Hard, man. That performance against U of H, nah, that ain't going to cut it. That ain't going to cut it. And I was nervous. Like, y'all saw my score, Texas Sports Unfiltered, put up everybody's scores on the staff. And I said 24-17. And I said that because – I knew Malik Murphy, the turnovers that we saw on Saturday, was not surprised by them. But what I was surprised was this defense and the special teams. And I told you, Chip, I for Malik Murphy to feel more comfortable, the defense and the special teams has to be on one. They have to be grade A spectacular. And we saw that on both sides. From the Xavier Worthy punt return, which was an absolute thing of beauty, like the fact that he, I've watched it at least 30 times. The fact that he called it, and right when he called it, made a guy miss, that's what the scouts want to see. That's what the scouts want to see. That's what separates Xavier Worthy from a ton of other guys around the nation. And I've been waiting for that because I've been wondering, why the hell's he been back there, Sark? Jeff Banks, why we got him back there, bruh? Because he hasn't shown me nothing yet. He's shown little snippets, you know, a 16-yard gain here or there, maybe a 30 every once in a while. But I haven't seen the house call. I haven't seen him take it back to the crib, to the apartments, to the condo. And we finally saw it on that first punt in the game. And that set the tone. That really set the tone. And I was really impressed with this team. The defense, Pete Glikowski, salute to you. Because Terry Joseph – and Blake Gideon, they've been getting it for your boy. We've been calling Terry Joseph by his government name, Terrence, because Terrence. of that lackluster performance we saw in H-Town a couple of weeks ago. And this team to come out there and to make Keaton Slovis look like a junior varsity quarterback, only no touchdowns allowed, six points total. Shit, man. That's, that's right up there with Alabama for me, Chip. That performance that we saw, that's right up there for Alabama for me because, again, your backup quarterback's getting the start. You put up 35 points. You don't allow any touchdowns, and everybody just seemed at seek. If it wasn't for those Malik Murphy turnovers, which I wasn't surprised happened, I obviously thinking that he'll be in his first start. He might be a little jittery. That one throw that he had for the interception, one of the worst ones I've ever seen, but they overcame that. And yeah, that was one of the more impressive wins. And shout out to Steve Sarkeesian today in the press conference back in this team. That's what you got to do. He got that from Nick Saban. You remember when Nick Saban was bitching about, oh, we would have been favored in every CFP game we were in, but we didn't get voted all. That's absolute below the, okay, whatever. Sark's doing it early. He said, okay, they go have the committee tonight, pick out the CFP rankings. Yo, we got the best win on the road all year, straight up. Straight up say that. We just beat a five, we just beat a five and two team now five and three with our backup quarterback. So committee, let's keep it real. What we he doing out here in Austin, best, Texas. Yeah, he it's said the best real win of the season, not the best win on the road. The best win 
That's the exactly back team. in the squad, back the squad, man, back the squad. You got to do that as a head coach, and because Oklahoma screwed you. Of course, that's what they've been doing for years. The rivalry, they screwed you. They had a grand opportunity to win out and to make life easier for a CFP potentially. And now things got a little bit more confusing. So, hey, all you can worry about what's in front of you. And they did that this past Saturday. I was very impressed. Well, this is, uh, this is, I'll say this about the BYU game. Again, for those of us who've been around for those four losses by an average of 24 plus points to the BYU Cougars, Steve Sarkeesian performed that exorcism. <laughs> I said on Friday, Steve, we need you to perform that exorcism, man, because Texas fans see BYU coming and they, they're like, <laughs> they see Medusa. They see the scariest thing they've ever seen in their lives. They're afraid they're going to turn to stone. And Steve Sarkeesian said, I got this. Now, the defense complete, obviously against a one-dimensional offense, not much of a run game for the BYU Cougars, but, you know, no touchdowns, limit them to six points, beat them by 29. And obviously we're going to get into Malik Murphy and Malik Murphy is, um, one start into his college career and he handled business. Obviously the interception was terrible. He like threw the ball where the receiver was supposed to be. And there was no receiver there. And Sark said after the game, we didn't even get a route from the receiver on the front side. I haven't gone back to look to see who totally blew that, but um, that was a huge learning experience for Malik he's got to eat that or he's got to he's probably got to eat it because it would have been intentional grounding they would have lost the down anyway but the fumble okay let's not call plays where we got to pull the guard and have the guard get across have the left guard get across to kick out the right side defensive end in the red zone how about we run some quick hitting plays because that dude was in on Malik so fast. And maybe the funniest slash scariest thing Steve Sarkeesian said today was Malik Murphy now knows what it's like, the difference between being in a real game and being in live action practice. Because in practice, he thinks he can get that off because the quarterbacks aren't live and they can't get hit. In that game, he now knows if I raise my arm and he hits me, I'm going to fumble the football and we're going to risk a turnover. I think we should have been past that at that point in the third quarter of the game. But, well, actually, that was earlier. That was early in the game. The red zone, the other red zone woes came in the third quarter. But I liked what I saw from the running back room. You know, Jonathan Brooks is just tough as nails, but you you love what you saw from Savion Red again. You love what you saw from C.J. Baxter, from Jaden Blue. That room is just tough, and they're getting after it. Um, 
you know, the receivers, A.D. Mitchell looking good. Malik and Worthy got to work some things out, but, um, you know, not not bad at all for a first for a first start in the defense was in shutdown mode. They gave up some yards, gave up some long passes, but they didn't give up any touchdowns. So I feel like that was a good step for the defense, especially going into this game against K-State because they're coming at you with all this quarterback run game. It's about option football and run fits. And Mo Blackwell had his best game as a Longhorn. Anthony Hill just crushes people. Like his hits sound different. They look different. You feel them from wherever you're watching the game. Jade Barron talked about that today. Like I asked other players about it, but Jade just volunteered it up. He's like, his physicality is crazy. He's like, he and I almost collided. He almost knocked me out. <laughs> Anthony Hill is a beast. Yeah. And I want to say, okay, if we're not going to get Jalen Catalan in this game against these K-State quarterbacks, can we see Anthony Hill get a couple of hits on these guys? Because they will feel it. They will feel it. Anthony Hill played up on the line like we wanted, Zay. Yeah. He he man, he just makes plays. He just does what is asked. And you know, Jeb Bush, credit. He had a bad hammy. He played. He was kind of in the Ethan Burke role on first and second down. Ain't nothing wrong with Jeb Bush hammy. You saw them dancing after the game. He jumping around and stuff like that. Ain't nothing wrong with no Jeb Bush, man. What was he doing? The running man? What was that? I don't know what he was doing. I don't know what those guys were doing. They were having the ball, man. I love stuff like that. It was hilarious. Yeah, I'm just saying this is going to be this game Saturday at 11 a.m. Thank you. Big noon Fox kickoff. Here comes Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson and the gang. This game's this is the toughest game left um, on the schedule. And I think Texas is fortunate to be getting this game at home with Malik Murphy making his second start at quarterback. Um, it gets tough after this. Don't get me wrong. TCU on the road. No picnic. Iowa State on the road. No picnic. But this is the game, to me, this is the TCU game of last year where all eyes were on Texas and it was a big home game and it was a chance to make a statement and Texas needs to make that statement on Saturday. They didn't last year against TCU. The defense did. The offense was nowhere to be found. But this is a huge opportunity. It's crazy to me that Texas is 6-0 and in their last six games against K-State and that Chris Kleiman is 0-4 against Texas because K-State is tough. Their offensive line is all back from last year. They lost six dudes on defense. They're playing better on defense this year. Even without Felix on Yuduke Uzama and Julius Brents, the six foot three corner, and Daniel Green, their linebacker who's out for the season with a pectoral tear. Like they're on K State's defense is on pace for their best season since they led the nation in scoring defense back in, I think, 2002 or something. So this is, this is everything you want 
in a big 12, you know, type showdown and Malik Murphy, you're going to get a chance to show everybody that you're the big ball of shot caller in this, in this game, because man, you look at Avery Johnson, true freshman for K-State dude zips around. I mean, got that crazy weird Al Yankovic hair. I mean, <laughs> yo, he looks like a straight pothead, man. He looks like what is a happening? Straight druggy, but he be running that thing. I ain't gonna lie, he be running that thing. And like Sark said in his presser today, whoever has the hot hand between him and Will Howard, they're gonna be the ones to get loose and to showcase their talents because these last three games from Texas Tech blowing out TCU 41-3 and then U of H 41-0 like that's the same U of H team that gutted up Texas and if it wasn't for that bad spot who knows what that outcome would have been like 31-21 that was the Texas game I get it each game is different every team matches up differently Texas played in Houston while Houston had to go to Manhattan I understand all of those things folks but yeah you're right chip kansas state they ain't bullshitting no more like what we saw against oklahoma state which oklahoma state mike gundy's found the formula to start winning games with what they did this past weekend too and what they're doing with their running back who's leading the nation in rushing yards so that kansas state or oklahoma state team it's pretty good so that loss don't look as bad as it once did. And the loss to Missouri, Missouri's been playing some good football this season in the SEC, and that game was on the road, and Will Howard got hurt in that game. So this Kansas State team is completely different, and Joe Klanderman, the defensive coordinator, he has those guys playing their ass off. Like, they're ferocious. They get to the ball very quickly. They had Donovan Smith, you know, seeing Ghost out there, and the pressure was crazy. Like, all that stuff that Texas gave up uh, against U of H, Kansas State, they didn't give up anything and got a donut out of Houston in the process. So, yeah, like this is going to be another test for this Horns team, but they, they showed me a lot. They, they seemed like they were very prideful in that performance or lack thereof that they had in H-Town and said that, hey, with Malik coming out here, we can't afford to play that way. We got to give him some confidence. And Malik gave everybody confidence. When he got out there, I, we talk about him looking like VY. He had that, you know, that little swag, a little Cali swag out there, you know, a little dancing and stuff, a little high getting the crowd into it. That's huge, man. I love that. I absolutely love that because that showed me, hey, he might have some mistakes today, but he is as confident as I don't know what. And I thought Sark did a solid job of putting him in situations where he could be comfortable and where he could succeed. You know, that deep pass to Adonai Mitchell, that was a huge play. And shout out to Adonai for making the adjustment for that catch because he had to stop and kind of wait for that ball and position himself to make a really great play. And it seemed like everybody was on. On that like you mentioned Mo Blackwell on the defense having his best game I completely agree with you Chip like we were we were concerned about Jalen Ford moving forward with all the snaps that he was getting and now that you could put Anthony Hill who's getting better from week to week understanding what Pete Kwiatkowski wants out of him more Blackwell him just being confident coming off that injury 
on his ability, and now he's making plays. And if you add that with David Benda, now you've got a really good rotation at that linebacker position to where you could throw any of those guys out there at any time, and those guys could go out and make plays. And Terrence Brooks, Gavin Holmes, Ryan Watts, terrific. All Malik Muhammad, all those guys were terrific. And a lot was due to that front line getting so much pressure on Slovis. But again, we challenged those guys last week. Just all that, you know, all that space that they were giving up to U of H. You can't win that way, man. You can't. You can't be passive. And those guys, even though Lasseter mossed them on one play, they didn't give up much. Like they made it very difficult for those wide receivers for BYU. And you think about that drive in the second quarter, which for BYU is like, what, 14 plays, almost 10 minutes. To only get three out of a drive like that is huge, especially after Malik Murphy fumbles. Like that could have easily switched momentum and the horns only gave up three and then came back down on the next drive offensively. And that's where Adonai Mitchell got that deep shot on the third and eight to make it 21-3 right before halftime. So the timely plays, that was very deflating for the BYU Cougars and Kalani Sataki his team, they had no answer for Texas because they would make big plays, big timely plays throughout the game. Well, it was it was interesting because BYU had that 16 play drive that you mentioned. It took 957 off the clock. And thanks to the turnovers, Jody Barron with the tip and Terrence Brooks with the interception. Um, they gave the defense gave the offense three short field touchdowns. They gave them the ball at the BYU 26. They gave them the ball at the BYU eight. And they gave them the ball at the BYU 39. And the offense punched all those in for touchdowns. The only long drive that um, Malik Murphy led was the 10 play. Well, he actually led two. He didn't get credit for one of them uh, because they went for it on fourth and goal and didn't get in in the third quarter. By then, um, you know, the game was Texas was up in the game. Like people are saying, What's what's Sark doing? You know, take the points. I think he saw that, you know, they were up 21-6. The defense wasn't given any ground. I think he felt confident to try and put that game, you know, out of reach, out of hand. Because against K-State, you're going to take those field goals, man. Because, I mean, all you need to do is watch the Oklahoma State game against K-State. Oklahoma State only scored one. They won 29 to 21. They scored one offensive touchdown. They scored on a pick six and they kicked five field goals. So th- that lesson, you know, Sark obviously has seen that film. He knows um, that this could be a Bird Auburn game coming up Saturday. At 11. And the last time we saw Bert Auburn, he was fine. He was three of three against OU. He hit a 47 yarder with a minute 17 left to give his team the lead. He didn't get any attempts 
in the BYU game because Sark was going for it every time. <laughs> but Zay, what the bleep, dog? Three red zone trips, zero points. They were two of five in the red zone. Um, yeah. One was the fumble. One was the fumble by Malik. The other two were failed fourth downs from the BYU two. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely disappointing. The pass to JT Sanders, uh, Jordan Wedditon, who's the best blocker in the wide receiver room. He just couldn't hold it long enough. And shout out to that BYU cornerback for sniffing that out and making that play on JT. And, you know, you think about Jonathan Brooks, you know, you thought he had the touchdown on that third and 12 play, but he stepped out of bounds, which made it fourth and one. Then they put in Byron Murphy, which, you know, Bucky gobbled in our group chat. I knew, I knew Bucky, Bucky can't stand having those O-line or excuse me, no defensive line guys in for those goals line situations especially after what happened at the red river shootout but yeah byron murphy who did his job on that play it just didn't work out like jonathan brooks ended up getting stopped and yeah those are some things that are still problems with this team with you know winning 35 6 they still weren't perfect and sark talked about today that's what's exciting about this squad you know the fact that they could win in multiple ways but the fact that they didn't play perfect and they beat a byu team who's pretty good like say what you want texas made them look mediocre but that byu team has won some really good games this year i.e going to fayetteville and beating that arkansas squad so they're no punks it's just it worries you coming into this game against Kansas State ship because you know that Will Howard and Avery Johnson both could run the football and are very capable of running the football. And if you go back to the past three games, not counting BYU, those quarterbacks that are fleet of foot can make things difficult for you. They did a good job against Jason Bean, which Oklahoma didn't, and not allowing him to go crazy on that speed option game. But then you move on to Oklahoma, and you saw what Dylan Gabriel did with his legs. You saw that they played a little passive against Donovan Smith because of what he could possibly do with his legs. So will they revert back to those bad habits of just because it's a running dual threat quarterback that they're facing, are they going to play? that very passive, very timid style of defense that we didn't see against BYU. I hope not. I hope that they could trust that, you know, their game plan into this week about, hey, we still got to get pressure on the quarterback and we can't allow them to, if we blitz, to run all over us and we can't allow our cornerbacks to be scared of those things. I think if they do that, then they're going to be in great shape, even if Malik Murphy is having this second start. But... Yeah, I, I was really impressed with this Longhorn team. Like, I've been waiting on that Xavier Worthy punt return chip. You know I have. I feel like I talk about it every week. Like, you've got to make the game easier for your offense by putting them in good field position. And Laffy Taffy, he got himself another one. Like, Michael Taff, now, you know, one you could call up. But now he's on some ball hawk stuff. 
He's on some ball hawk stuff. Like he's at the right place at the right time. You cannot deny that. And that was a terrific return that he took back to Texas's goal line to get those points with the Adonai Mitchell quick slant for a touchdown. So that, that the Texas team, they were very timely on making big plays this past Saturday. And they're going to need all of that and then some when this Wildcat team comes to DKR at 11 a.m. Yeah, I mean, this this is the line of scrimmage game. Um, you know, really, the, the fact that they run their quarterbacks is going to add that dynamic. This is what Texas was preparing for to see with Jalen Daniels and, and Jason Bean. And so they've seen a little bit of it. Um, but K-State's offensive line is – arguably the best in the big 12. And that's, that's a challenge for Texas. Like, okay, who's got the best defensive line in the big 12. It should be Texas. Obviously Ethan Burke is not playing in this game, but you've got depth. You've got Tavondre sweat. You've got Byron Murphy. You got Baron Sorrell now in his second year as a starter. And you've got, some versatility at that other defensive end position. You got Jalen Ford, the preseason Big 12 defensive player of the year. This is the marquee showdown in this game. The K-State offensive line and the running quarterbacks, you know, DJ Giddens, Trishon Ward, um, trying to run it down Texas's throat. Can they do it? You know, Texas has seen this. They went up against it last year. They handled it. It was it was an interesting game, to say the least. Texas dominated the first half last year, got up 31 to 10 in Manhattan at night, coming off that Oklahoma State debacle. I thought Quinn Ewers played really well. He was totally in sync with Xavier Worthy. Um you know, Jalen Ford came up with a big interception that Texas turned into a touchdown right before half to go up 31-10. And then you had turnovers by Roshan Johnson and Xavier Worthy, and it turned into a game. And Adrian Martinez, I said going into that game, if K-State plays Adrian Martinez, I like Texas. If they play Will Howard, I like K-State. They played Adrian Martinez. And this year, it's going to be Will Howard, and Will Howard is playing like a man possessed. Now, he played his worst game of the year um, against, oh, God. Missouri? Yeah, he had, what, three interceptions? Yeah, he was um, bad. The game he got hurt in. Yeah, so, no, against Oklahoma State. My bad. Oh, okay. And the next game is when, you know, Avery Johnson uh, – came on the scene and and since then will howard has been really good i mean he he was awful against oklahoma state 15 of 34 that's 44 percent completion one touchdown three interceptions and and oklahoma state you know ended up winning that one 29 21 and now like you said ollie gordon Ollie pop to Ollie Gordon because he is the nation's leading rusher after going berserk. Now, here's my quick side note, Zay. Is Mike Gundy going to beat 
Oklahoma this week in Stillwater with Ali Gordon. Hey, Finally, he's three and fifteen against OU Gundy. It's crazy. He has a good chance. I'm telling you, what I say about OU, they were feeling themselves. Brentville, oh God, uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, only fears, uh, whatever that bullshit was. Yeah, okay, look at you now. This one hurts, doesn't it, Brent? I heard you after the presser. This one hurts. And I told you, Andrew Anthony, him not being a part of that team, he was their best receiver. Like, Farouk's a good gadget player, very versatile. Drake Stoops, I know he's the coach's son, so he lives very deep in Sooner fans' hearts and all this other BS. But Andrew Anthony was their best dude, the Michigan transfer. And when he got hurt in that Texas game, I knew that was going to set him back because he could get open very easily for that Sooner squad. So not having him, they got some adversity. And, yeah, Jason Bean – Devin Neal, they ran all over those dudes. So now you got to face Ali, who's been going crazy on everybody. And Gundy's going to let his team know, yo, this is going to be the last time y'all probably ever play these guys. And they'll always think they're better than you. So, yeah, with how they're rolling, uh, hey. Because Oklahoma, y'all already screwed us anyway. I'm I'm off the meet you at the Big 12. Y'all messed that up, OU. Y'all messed that all up. So, hey, if y'all get there, cool, whatever. All we can worry about is week to week for the Horns. They got Kansas State. They're the next in the way. But if Oklahoma State wants to win out and you got to play those dudes in Jerry World, so be it. Oklahoma, y'all had the grand opportunity to keep on rolling. But no, y'all have wanted to go up to Lawrence and y'all got beat by the backup. So, Hey, we handled the backup very smooth. I get it. The Super Bowl was the Red River shootout for y'all. It's cool. Brent, back to the drawing board, man. Back to the drawing board. Hey. That's so good to say. Here's Oklahoma State's schedule after playing OU. At Central Florida. At Houston. Home against BYU. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oklahoma State, dog. If they win this game, if they win this game Saturday against OU, Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy is probably going to be the team to beat. Wow. That's on the cool. way in because they already have the tiebreaker over K State. That's why Texas has got to handle business, man, because. They just they just got to handle business, and it's it's not going to be easy for Texas down. In, I mean, if it's championship November, this is here's the first of a, a long month because road trips to Fort Worth and Ames, Iowa State's getting it together. Iowa yep. State's in this five way tie for first. Their defense is a Sudoku puzzle for a young quarterback. Everyone's like, hey, is Quinn going to be back by the time? Listen, Texas just needs to handle business at 11 a.m. Saturday. Don't get it twisted. This, you know, Jade Barron every week has been saying, uh, we got another championship game this week. This game is legit Big 12 title implications, and you got them at home. So Texas fans, you better get out there. You better be loud as bleep 
and you better help lead this team because like Zay said, that quarterback needs everybody's help right now. Yeah. I mean, he's getting judged on wins and losses. That's it. No one cares that it's his second start. No one. He's getting judged. Like I heard my man BK this morning, like he's not stepping into his throws. I mean, I thought he threw some nice touch passes, you know? I mean, the throw to eight. Yeah, you saw you saw a little too much back leg stuff that you're like, all right, but that's yeah, but also if he steps pressure. in and really rifles it, someone's skin on their hands might come off. You know what I mean? Yeah. So <laughs> and I, I thought I thought the slant to AD Mitchell, the 13-yard touchdown pass, that was a pro throw and a great hands catch by AD Mitchell. That's why I love watching AD Mitchell play because he is a hands catcher you never see him trying to cradle it against his chest it's always like this and he is I mean that's why he's gonna be a big time wide receiver in the NFL that dude can absolutely make it happen but I'm telling you what Malik Murphy is only gonna be judged by wins and losses it's like okay we're dropping you in right here you get to you get to start off championship November. And you know what? I think Malik Murphy's like, cool, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. This is what you want as a competitor. This is the opportunity that you want to be the focal point of a ball club and to have the keys to the car. And when there's big 12 championship implications and cfp implications like you want that you want that pressure if you're a competitor and it seems like malik murphy again you saw it with the swagger that he had before his first snap like he just he has a certain it factor to him that is just infectious to the whole locker room and i saw that with everybody on saturday from special teams to the defense to the offense sark said it after the game like everyone wants to play well for him to where it could be a little dangerous. You kind of do some things that are out of character, but you know, you want that you want his teammates riding for him the way that they have. And I thought you mentioned Savion red getting into the mix a little bit more. Keelan Robinson had a big carry that put the team into the red zone. I want to say it was about 20 something yards when they went into a three running back format within the pistol and kind of had that little diamond set up with, uh, who was in the game? I want to say Savion Red, Keelan Robinson, and C.J. Baxter. And both of those guys went to the left, and then Keelan Robinson got the handoff to the right. So that was just a little bit, you know, of a different pace that you haven't seen all season from Sark. Because Keelan Robinson, I'm going to keep on saying it, that dude's too talented to not put the ball in his hands just a little bit. Like, you see that with Mike McCarthy and Kevontae Turpin. Like, he's Kevontae Turpin is a huge part of what the Cowboys like to do now. And Mike McCarthy included him in the offense more and more, whether that's as a wide receiver. We know what he could do in special teams. But Keelan Robinson's that same type of player. So whenever you could get him touches, that's huge. That's going to be huge for Malik Murphy, and that's going to be huge for this offense. And Jonathan Brooks, you're kind of starting to see even as good as he's been, he's starting to get a little beaten up. Like he kind of went to the sideline a couple of times a little gingerly. And I'm like, ah, eight games in at this point, you're a top five player in the nation 
position when it comes to rushing. Like, yeah, he's starting to feel it a little bit. So now you're seeing guys like C.J. Baxter, and we saw Jalen Blue get his touchdown. So if you were to throw number 23 out there, you have confidence in him to go out there and be productive. We just know with his pass protection, that's a little behind. So obviously that's something to look at. But overall, I you know, this team, that was just a solid win, and you got to have a lot of confidence moving on to Kansas State this week. Like you needed a win like that with Kansas State coming in. For them to have 41 points in back-to-back games, only allow three points in back-to-back games, and that was the TCU. They have not allowed a touchdown in nine quarters. That's scary, man. That's That's scary. Klansman. Klansman's got him, whatever his name is. Klanderman. That's terrible. terrible. Now you you got the Klan running the (laughs) K-State defense. That's racist. All right, here, I want you to hear from Malik Murphy. You ready? Oh, man, let's get it. Here's Malik Murphy. He was asked about, you know, being loose, dancing before the game. Here's Malik Murphy. That's just my personality, though. Going into it, uh, you know, the coach told me don't change, be me. So that's what I did. Go out there dancing, uh, having fun, and just enjoying it. I'm going to try my time out there. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not too hard to do that, though. We have. Uh, Everybody has pretty good personalities on the offense. Um, I love the guys. They're a lot like me. You didn't bring up NIL. Oh, just wanting to play here and play under Coach Sark. That's always been huge for me, and that's why I committed here in the first place. So um, I'm glad I've got that opportunity to do that too. Did you talk to other people about you? No. Did you shut everything down? No, I'm all in. Yeah, I'm in the long run. You didn't take calls. After uh, the early turnovers, did that rally at all? Did you just kind of calm down and settle down? No, not at all. I, I mean, it was a young mistake on my part, uh, putting the ball in arms way, but I was letting my playmaker go make a play. You know what I'm saying? Hey, it's like it's like going to Apple leasing. You go to Apple leasing, you can lease any maker model of car. Any maker model of car. Doesn't matter. You want a Ford pickup, you want a Toyota, you want a Lamborghini. Apple leasing is gonna get you whatever you want. You pick the make and model, the interior, exterior, you pick it all. Heck, they'll even deliver it to you for Christmas. You know what I'm saying? But here's the thing. You're like, oh, I can't afford a new car. Uh, you know, well, I used to just get used cars because I was I didn't want to pay for the all that, you know, that appreciation that is tied up in a in a new car. You're not paying for that future trade-in value when you 
lease a car from Apple leasing. You're only paying for the car while you're driving it. So you're getting into a better car than you thought you could afford. And it's brand new. And you deserve that. You're in Austin, Texas, or wherever you're listening. You're going to be in traffic. You better be happy in that car. You need to be riding around like you're in your living room. And that's what Apple leasing is here for. I mean, they want you to be happy. They want you to be in a new car. They want you to feel good. You don't want to be in a used car paying for someone else's mistakes, paying for those repairs. No. Get to Apple leasing. Are you kidding me? 346-9977, appleleasing.com. Tell them Chip Brown sent you. Zay, um, I did like that Malik Murphy bounced back. No, no problem. Like, he shook that off like water off a duck's back. Those, uh, awful. But, team, no problem. They love this guy. They believe in him. Um, Sarkeesian said he got after the offense today about the red zone and said, listen, you want me to keep going for it? We got to work together here. You know, I got to, I got to call good plays and you all got to execute them. I need everything you got and we'll see. We'll see if the players got that message, but uh, weird week of weather. The team practiced in the bubble today because it's nasty, raining, cold, and they don't need anyone slipping and tearing something. So they went indoors today. The weather's supposed to get a little, little warmer each day this week. Right now, according to my little app, Saturday is supposed to be 76 and sunny. So each day it's going to get a little warmer, Zay. Okay. You you good with that? Uh, I mean, I'm liking the cold, man. I don't like rainy and cold, but if it's just cold... We need that. It's been a hot ass summer <laughs> this year. So any type of cold, I'm with that. But yeah, I want people at DKR to be as comfortable as possible. I just don't want Kansas State to be comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. 76 degrees uh, on Saturday. So um, I'll tell you what, looking at this and looking at this crazy Big 12, man. You know, I was watching the the OU Kansas game, and we're going to talk to Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com coming up at 4.15 to get the early take on the K-State Wildcats um, who, who have it going and are feeling good because they uh, – now those two wins against TCU and Houston were in – Manhattan, where they outscored the opponent 82 to three. Life's been a little different on the road for K-State. They are one and two on the road. They lost to Mizzou. That was where Luther Burden became a big ass burden to everyone he plays. He had seven catches for over hundred yards, two touchdowns in that game where the fat kid hit the 61 yard field goal to win it. And 
if K-State could do a bunch of things over again, they would, but they lost. And now Mizzou's playing Georgia this week. Like it's a battle for the SEC East. And K-State lost at Oklahoma State, and they won at Texas Tech. That was where Avery Johnson, the freshman, came in and ran for five touchdowns. That was, that was the sneak attack. Tech had no idea Avery Johnson was coming, and they got lit the F up. And they were like, what was that? What was that hippie, Weird Al Yankovic looking blonde girl running around scoring touchdowns on us. girl. I mean, he looks like Goldilocks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He looks like a Woodstock Goldilocks. Yeah. Yeah. He's got yeah. like little Shirley Temple curls and stuff. I mean, I'm like, who is this guy? But he was a top, he was a top 100 player. He's yeah. legit. Yeah, dude's got top, speed, man. Yeah. He's a legit Kansas kid, wanted to play at K-State, four-star, legit speed, and Texas better be ready to handle that dude. He had a fumble against Houston on just a little RPO play where he tuck it too far deep in the running back before trying to pull it, and Houston ended up jumping on it. So I don't know if he's in the doghouse for that, but – yeah, if I'm Chris Kleiman, both of those guys, Will Howard and Avery Johnson, just to keep Pete Kwiatkowski guessing, like you just don't know what they're going to throw out there or who's going to have the hot hand or which quarterback, which I most likely think it's Howard due to what he's done winning a Big 12 championship throughout the years and his experience. But you don't know what those guys are going to throw at you game plan wise. So it's going to be a lot to go over if you're Pete Kwiatkowski in this defense. And hopefully they can bring in the momentum that they had against BYU against this Wildcat team because they have as much confidence as anybody in the country right now with how they made TCU and U of H look these past two weekends. Yeah. And Colin Klein. The former K State quarterback. K State legend. I mean, you got to give him some props as the offensive coordinator. Remember, Chris Kleiman got rid of his longtime guy to, to make Colin Klein the, the OC. And Will Howard took off as soon as that happened. Now you got Avery Johnson. And Colin Klein's obviously doing a good job in recruiting because guys want to come play in that what I used to call the crash test dummy offense of Bill Walsh. Like they run the quarterback so much and you get hit so much like Colin Klein. I was like, I called him crash test dummy Klein. Cause it was like, my God, how many times are you going to run your quarterback here? But <laughs> that's part of it. That's part of the K state mystique and Chris Kleinman, man, Uh-oh. he's running it. Yeah. What what year was Klein in, in um New York? Because wasn't he a top Heisman? 20, 2012. Damn. Who won it that year? Uh God, who won it? I can't I'm, don't mean to put you on the spot. You're just a voter, so I thought, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know you didn't vote for Klein. I know you didn't vote for him. Well, but... you get to vote for three players. Okay. All right. 
It was. Oh, that was the Manti Teo year. Ah. Yeah. Damn. Um, no, that was the year Johnny Manziel won it. Okay. So it was Manti, Klein, and Manziel. Yep. Yeah, Colin had no chance. Yep. But... Johnny football, baby. Johnny football. That dude. Oh, yeah, CB, I didn't go past what you said. You see Taylor Heineke time in Atlanta? I know we got to get back to business. I just got to mention, it's Taylor Heineke time in Atlanta, baby. Let's go. I said week seven. It's week eight. I'm good with that. That's what I'm talking about. He would have led that team to a game-winning drive if his wide receivers could catch it on a fourth down. He threw it in right in the dude's mitts. And the dude bobbled the hell out of it, and it just ended the game. Like, okay, whatever. But Desmond Ritter, whoo, you're gone, buddy. Taylor Heineke time. Let's That's go. what I'm talking about. It's time to win the NFC South, Atlanta fans. Should have done this a long time ago, Arthur Smith, believing in Desmond Ritter. That's just a waste. You're wasting Bijan Robinson's years, man. And you're right, CB, underutilized. Let's go. B. John Robinson at least 25 touches a game. But he was probably injured because we got Mike Griffin because they played the Titans. So Mike Griffin, thinking he's a funny guy, had Bijan in a full Nelson before the game. Mike, what are we doing? Like, I get it. It's the Texas alums, like something that I have no idea what it means. Like, I get what it means, but I'm never going to experience that. So y'all have a different bond. But yeah, there was a video going around with Griff. He had Bijan and a full Nelson before the game on some big brother shit. And I'm like, see, McGriff, that's that's why I was up up in Nashville. Yes, he was up in Nashville for that game when they were rocking the weird Houston Oilers jerseys that they claim, but whatever. Why are they Uh, doing that? Bud Adams is dead. Like, That's what I'm saying. It doesn't make any sense. The Tennessee Titans and the Oilers, I get it. They were the Tennessee Oilers for, what, two years? But nobody nobody wants that, you know? That's just – it looked tacky. It looked really tacky. I love those jerseys and stuff, but it looked really tacky yesterday. And I don't know. Will Levis is probably like, well, give me those jerseys every week because that dude, it looks like he might – Finesse that starting spot from the former Aggie, Ryan Tannehill. Hey, hey, touchdowns. Hey, mm. don't believe the hype. Don't Will believe Levis, the hype. I mean, what, Brock Purdy, it took him 13 games before he turned into a pumpkin? Will Levis. Oh, Brock. Will Damn. Levis is, is coming, too. Yo, He'll three turn. straight losses. Can you believe that? San Fran. It's, it's like watching – the Wicked Witch of the West melt in the Wizard of Oz. I mean, it's like they threw water on Brock Purdy, and he is melting. Yeah. He, and he had where two do you back go? back interceptions that were really bad. Like, they got into the red zone, and he had one interception where he threw it right to the dude. It was a hell of a play by the linebacker, and he just caught it. It was like, a, it was like 10 yards from one another, and Brock Purdy just kind of – Try to throw it down, a check down type play to the running back, and the Bengals linebacker jumped it. And it was a pretty incredible play. But yeah, while Joe Burrow and the Bengals are looking like that team that gets to the AFC championship every year, the San Francisco 49ers losing three straight, going from the best team in the league, it looked like, to what they are now. It's crazy how the NFL just shifts. 
And like, it's, it's pretty scary. Like, you just never know what your team is going to bring from week to week. And, yeah, well, 49ers, woo, they got you, I mean, that game was in San Francisco. Yeah. And you look at Brock Purdy now, and let's just take a little look-see here at the last <laughs> – Yo, why are you so happy at his no, demise? This the way you're grinning. It's like an evil grin. We got Halloween tomorrow. You look like an evil villain. Like hey, grinning. He had not thrown an interception all year. Last three games, five. Ooh. And that's LLL. Damn. At Cleveland. At Minnesota. Home against Cincinnati. So, Listen. Brock Purdy, good guy, great story. I'm just saying, he's got to turn this thing around because right now it looks like he's he's back at Iowa State yeah. playing Baylor. Yeah. Or playing, you know, I mean, I'm not hating. I'm just saying. <laughs> I saw this guy. I covered him. Uh... He was really good. Right up until you needed him to win a big game. But, hey, he won a playoff game. He beat the Cowboys. Mm. That sucks. Yeah. He's beaten the Cowboys twice. But, hey. I want that matchup again. With this Brock Purdy that we've seen and this version of Dak Prescott we've seen with the four touchdowns, let me see that matchup again. The Cowboys, they probably can't wait. You got Kevonte Turpin in the mix, man. Deron, hey, I got Bland two words for you. Sixes. I got two words for you, Deron Bland. Yo, that dude. He hats off to him. Salute to him. Kudos to him. All that other shit. You want to give him credit? Sixes for. in a season never been done in Cowboys history. It's crazy. Deron Bland. Only in week eight. Like, that's so impressive. And it's not like he's playing his normal position where he's usually, like, in a slot. Like, he is taking over for Trayvon Diggs. Like, they are moving him around, and he's adjusted beautifully. And, yeah, they were all over Matt Stafford and a very underrated wide receiver group with those Rams. Like, Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, like, those guys, they're tough. And I know Stafford ended up getting hurt, but – yeah, Cowboys, these last few weeks, they're playing with a lot of confidence and a lot of juice. And, you know, I know they were kind of, especially, you know, Cowboys fans were a little skeptical with Dalton Schultz moving on to H-Town. But Jake Ferguson, he's been good. And I saw it last year. I was like, yo, this guy, he, he has a little bit to him. Like, he, he could play a little bit. But you just never knew because Dalton Schultz and Dak had so much of a chemistry. And now that it's just Ferguson and, you know, my man that they just drafted, like they're tough and they're finding CD lamb, 12 catches. He's getting touchdowns and stuff over a hundred something yards. You saw Brandon cooks get the touchdown that he had. Like if that run game could continue to get better and better as weeks go on with Dado and Tony Pollard, then the Cowboys, even though the Eagles still look like the best team, they're they're gonna be running the mix like we thought they would. Yeah, that that was cool. Demarvin Overshone rocking the Jake Ellinger jersey at the game yesterday. The Cowboys just overwhelm the Rams. Um, 
Joe Kay said he was napping at halftime of the Cowboys Rams game. Damn, Joe, that's disrespectful. <laughs> that's what it was, though. Cowboys were up so comfortable. That's what um, it was. Well, you know what? You know what tonight is. Tonight it's time to get to Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. I mean, y'all, you got you got the Lions playing the Raiders on Monday Night Football. More importantly, you got all that happy hour at Salt Traders Coastal Cooking, and you're gonna get five dollars off the beginnings menu. Let me tell you, the beginnings menu, the smoked fish dip is ten bucks. You're getting it for five bucks. How about the New Orleans barbecue shrimp? 16 bucks. You're getting New Orleans barbecue shrimp for 11 bucks. A crab cake on the beginning, beginners, beginnings menu. The chowder fries. I love the chowder fries. Are you kidding me? The grilled oysters, 19 bucks. You're getting for 14 bucks. Steamed mussels, 14 bucks. You're getting for $9. Steamed mussels. This is Jack Gilmore's restaurant. The man who gave you Jack Allen's kitchen. Folks, it is time to get to Salt Traders Coastal Cooking tonight. All night happy hour, 3.30 to close. Enjoy that. Enjoy the Lions and the Raiders. Because the Lions are going to put a whooping on Josh McDaniels and his. I'm coaching because I'm Bill Belichick's boy and Tom Brady made me who I am, and now Damn. I ain't got neither of them, and I'm terrible. Wow. Wow. That's right. Are the Lions going to cover tonight, Joe? I'm just going to say yes. I don't even know what the line is. <laughs> oh, my that? God. That's funny. How about that? Huh? Yeah, what's oh. their quarterback situation like? They still got Hoyer in? Lions um, minus seven. Yeah, Lions are going to win by 14. Lions, yeah, Lions should be pissed off if Dan Campbell. We know he's old school with getting boat raced like they did in Baltimore last week. You should come in a little pissed off, Chip. You talk about all the time when you get embarrassed like that. The team that strikes back in the next week, like they always want to avenge that horrific loss that they had. So I expect the Lions to be on their P's and Q's today and Jared Goff and Amon Ra to get back to what they've been doing all season long and that's scoring touchdowns and making big plays. What's the running back room looking like? Is that still like, you know, Greg Gibbs? I think so. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Montgomery, I don't know when he's coming back, but yeah, the yeah. battle of the really good white edge rushers, Aiden Hutchinson and <laughs> Max Crosby. <laughs> Very good white edge rushers. I love both of those guys, man. They both got some fire in them. Oh, my Lord. Battle of the white edge rushers. <laughs> Oh my so god! Great game, man. Max Crosby, that dude, dirty as hell, but he's good. Dirty as hell. He popped Patrick Mahomes a couple of times last year. We saw him quarterback. Which, damn, man, you see Kirk Cousins, Achilles oh, after the season. That hurts, that, man. Yeah, I'm telling you, that quarterback documentary on Netflix made everybody like Kirk Cousins. It did. Everybody likes Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Yeah, Kirk Everyone Cousins. thought he was just, you like that? <laughs> thought he was all about that money and not caring about winning. 
That dude cares about winning. Yep. And he's he's a damn good NFL quarterback. I mean, he's accurate. He wins games. I, I felt like he was starting to come into his, you know, I'm ready to win mode of his career, like Dirk. You know, I always I always yeah. refer back to Dirk because Dirk loved being Dirk. And then when it came time to win in the playoffs, it was like, ooh. Yeah. But then he reached that point where he was like, I'm too old for this shit. I'm just ready to win. <laughs> you know, you reach that point. Like Nick Foles. Nick Foles was like, I'm too old for this. I'm just ready to win. And he just went out there and outplayed Tom Brady when Brady threw for 500 in a Super Bowl. Mm. I felt like Cousins was was getting there. And now – we got to now, I mean, the trade deadline, I don't think they're going to do anything, but. Yeah, I mean, it was a blessing in disguise, it seemed like, for the Vikings, even though Justin Jefferson, who's arguably the best wide receiver in the league, him getting hurt and being on IR with that hamstring injury, it seemed like a blessing in disguise for Jordan Addison's improvement and his development as a rookie. Because him and Kirk Cousins, it seemed like, what we've seen with Justin Jefferson these last few years, like they have built a very good chemistry between those two and Jordan Addison. He looks like he could be first team all rookie with the season that he's had. So now cousins going out, where are they going to go from there? You know, they had a really good win against the Packers who seems like this Jordan love thing isn't working out at least this year. I mean, I hopefully he gets another chance to figure that out, but yeah, uh, the Vikings seemed like you're right. They were just starting to figure things out. And Kirk Cousins, you know, was trying to get over that hump, especially with a team that won the NFC North in 2022 and ended up losing the day ball in those Giants. Like, could they get back to that point? Obviously, it's not going to be with Kirk Cousins. But, yeah, it's definitely unfortunate for the guy that we all got a lot more respect for with that Netflix special. Well, let's uh, let's bring on one of my favorite people in all of the world. Um, he is absolutely uh, one of the funniest people you'll ever meet, and he is also the publisher of GoPowerCat.com. He's been covering K State since Jesus was a boy. <laughs> The one and only Life of Fitz on Twitter, Tim Fitzgerald. Fitzy, how you doing, my brother? My Jesus made me a, like a coffee table. It was lovely work. He's really good. <laughs> he was a heck of a carpenter, wasn't he? Yeah, he really was. He really was. Underrated. I kind of miss, miss uh, Jerry. That's what we called him back in the day. <laughs> Fitz. These K-State Wildcats are putting it on people. 82 to 3 in the last two games, no touchdowns in the last nine quarters. Who pissed you, off these uh these Wildcats? You say that like it's good. Hey, um let, let's go back another half to Texas Tech uh when they put Avery Johnson in. Um, and he was such a disruptor in that game. It's 103 to 3 since the second half of Texas Tech. They have been absolutely dominant for five halves now. Uh, and this defense has found itself. It's playing at a high level. 
It's quarterback plays taking the next step it, in part because Avery Johnson came in and, and challenged Will Howard saying, look, I can do this. And Will Howard uh, last week in particular said, well, I can do this too. And, and he's played really good football. He's played his best football of the year in the past two games. And that's what a true freshman quarterback who's kind of a freak will do for a veteran to wake him up. Yeah. yeah I mean, he's a Kansas kid. Take us yeah. through his, you know, he's a top 100 player, four-star Avery yeah. Johnson. Uh, honestly, he, he should have been a five-star. He, he would have been a five-star in a larger state market with more exposure. Uh, you know, he picked K-State, decided to stay home over Notre Dame, Oregon offers. I had some, you know, was really high profile. Uh, was it just really performed at a high level at the Elite 11? And yet he's known as a runner. Um, but he can toss it around. He's, he's made some just incredible passes so far this season. Uh, but as Chris Kleiman points out, he's the fastest guy on the team. He's one of the best athletes on the team as a quarterback. He got to find a way to incorporate him some way and he'll be involved in Austin. There's no doubt, but Will Howard will be the guy at quarterback for the most of the game. Yeah. Tim, talk about Joe uh, Klanderman, the defense. You mentioned just only three points the last two games with y'all putting up 41. Very impressive. What has he been able to figure out with this defense, especially with y'all losing one of y'all's top linebackers, not only on y'all's team, but in the Big 12, out for the season and to figure this out to where a Texas team that struggled with Houston a couple of weeks ago, y'all made them look like a JV team. Yeah, it, uh, it's been impressive. And, you know, let's be honest, Chris Kleiman pointed this out at last week's press conference. They have their starting cornerbacks from last year's team are in the NFL. They have a safety in the NFL. So they had three NFL caliber guys on the back end to replace. It's taken them a little while to settle in. They had a lot of blown coverages like it in the loss at Missouri. Um, they gave up some explosives earlier in the year. They just haven't. Uh, they've given up some running yardage here and there. Uh, but they, they rope them in and usually have a stand. They have the uh, best defensive percentage, excuse me, second best defensive percentage in the red zone, um, only giving up touchdowns at a clip of 30%. Um, oddly, I don't know how this happened, but Michigan's at 11%. They're really good at it. I wonder what caused that. <laughs> um, so all right, right there, that stat needs to be investigated. 11% touchdown percentage of the red zone for your defense? Come on. Asterisk. Come on. But, uh, yeah, they've been really, really good lately. Uh, and you, you mentioned Daniel Green, and his loss was seismic in that locker room. I think it scared him a little bit that their six-year senior who came back to have a clean, healthy season uh, tore his pec muscle against Missouri in that loss. And uh, their starter now is a true freshman. And he uh, he sat out two weeks ago, started this week, uh, and was outstanding. Um, so he and the other kind of uh, you know utility linebacker Jake Clifton they have, who's who's been really effective. He can play all three positions. They've done an incredible job at that middle linebacker spot for K State. Fitzy, if we go back to the Missouri game, I mean, obviously Missouri is a better team than pretty much anyone thought. Uh, they're going to play Georgia this week for the SEC East. Uh, lead. Um, go back to that game though, and Luther Burden was amazing. Um, yep. but where you know that the coach Eli Drinkwitz tried to screw it up at the end. I mean, he yep. was you know, he sends his offense out, then he sends the kicker out. The, the kid makes a 61 yarder, but 
where where did that game get away and um you know how did the team grow from it i can't remember the exact stat but luther burden had a lot of passing yardage receiving yardage excuse me 80 percent of it was yak it was after the catch so uh, k-state's tackling in that game was atrocious they just looked um like they weren't aggressive at all on defense in that game luther burden's special i mean he's elite uh and uh they didn't handle him well and, and that's that's an issue coming into this game uh of all teams to bring up here troy had some really big athletic receivers uh in that second game of the season they gave k-state dribble so that is an area of this game that i think is uh really worrisome for k-state is those big athletic receivers who can run have done some serious damage to this defense but that's all been shut down over the last five halves 10 quarters and i don't know if that's opponents or improvement on defense we'll find out pretty quick against texas and Oklahoma State, Will Howard, that was his worst game. What what happened in that game? The entire team looked indifferent. I, the entire team came off a of bye week, and I think they just looked at what Oklahoma State had not accomplished this year, losing at home badly to South Alabama. And I can't remember what their game before, but they just didn't look engaged at all. They still almost came back and you know got that game tied at the end. But even then, they were so feeble, they couldn't get it done. Uh, Will Howard threw three interceptions. He's not a guy who throws a lot of interceptions. So he hit rock bottom. That led to the Avery Johnson playing at Texas Tech. Uh, he just ran for five touchdowns. That's all in that game. Uh, his, <laughs> that's, his first I've seen that. First significant playing time of his career. He played a little bit at Missouri, a little bit in the opener against Southeast Missouri. But his first real big chunk of playing time, he runs for five touchdowns and, and ties a school record held by uh, Colin Klein. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, but he's the offensive coordinator. He did it when he was a player. It'd be weird to do it as a coach. Um, <laughs> but uh, and, and it woke Will up. It woke everyone up. That loss at Oklahoma State. Little did we know that it wasn't a total fluke. Oklahoma State had taken magic mushrooms. I think we can spread that rumor. I think it's safe to say. And they became an entirely different team than they were. Um, uh, they're really good now. And and uh, I think they're going to beat Oklahoma this weekend. But we know. Mike Gundy's track record in those games. Not, not Unbelievable. Good. Yeah. It's, Three and 15. Yeah, he's not the best in this bedlam game, Tim. You talk about Will Howard and how he's woken up with this emergence of Avery Johnson. And he had to deal with that a lot last year with A.J. Martinez. And maybe if Will would have started more games last year, it would have been a different outcome for y'all. But now he's also dealing with another kind of quarterback battle. How's he been able to just stay the course and be confident and not like looking over his shoulder with like just any bad throw that the back? Yeah going to come in that's just highly touted as you said and just take his spot completely well you know it's kind of funny he's in the exact opposite situation of adrian martinez last year where he uh came in because of an injury against adrian's injury against tcu and was great uh, and then they went back to adrian for the texas game and i think the coaches realized he's bringing something to the table that adrian isn't and honestly that was being able to throw the ball downfield aggressively and uh, so he went back in. Next thing we know, they've won a Big 12 title. Uh, he played exceptionally well last year. Uh, was playing okay. Never looked himself this year. And then rock bottom hit. Uh, he, he got himself into a situation where he was being challenged for playing time. The fan base, you know, they love the new puppy. And they, they all hopped on that. 
uh, Sunshine Train is what his nickname is, uh, Avery Johnson. <laughs> um, and uh, they, uh, the fans just love it. I mean, he's a great kid to start with. He's, he's, but uh, Will handled it well. Uh, you could tell, I think his comment last week when I was asked ask him about, because T, against TCU, they literally rotated possessions. I mean, it was one after another, the whole game. And, and Will kind of won that battle. Um, he's put on four touchdowns in that game and Avery played well, but not as well as Will. And his answer was when I asked him about that, it is what it is. It's never good when you get that answer. Uh, from anyone, particularly your wife or your starting quarterback. And uh, if it's the same person, that's that's a whole other issue. We're not getting into that. But um, it's, it is it is what it is, and he went out and took care of business. Yeah, he's the starting quarterback. Yeah, that, uh, that, that was amazing. Yeah, sunshine. So remember the Titans, baby. Mm-hmm. Here yep. we go. Yep, he's got that blonde hair flowing out of his helmet. Um, yeah, it's he's he's quite the kid. Uh, he's had such an impact on campus. Avery Johnson was elected one of the student ambassadors, like the homecoming king and queen, uh, but it wasn't him. It was a female named Avery Johnson who absolutely blew away the competition. I think because everyone, uh, yeah, I'll vote for him. He's vote. He's running for the female ambassador. Okay, <laughs> everything Avery Johnson's coming up gold in Manhattan, Kansas. What uh, you mentioned the. Uh... The receivers um, who've given K-State fits. I mean, I, I'm looking at the K-State defense. They lost six starters. They lost Felix Duque Zana. They lost six foot three corner Julius Brents. Daniel Green out. They're playing better than last year's defense. I think I saw where they're on pace to like have the best defense since they led the nation in scoring defense in what 2002. Something like that. Yeah, that was a really good defense. That's a long time ago. Uh, that's so long ago it can now order a drink because it's now 21. Um, that uh, this defense is it really hasn't surprised me. I think what surprised me more is how the level of struggles they had early in the season because they really did. Uh, they just looked lost. Um, I think there were some issues with taking signals, and you know, these guys were in a new situation. You've got uh, you know, junior college transfers, um, FCS transfers. It, it just it, it took a while. Um, and when you lose corners of that kind of impact, Jacob Parrish uh, played as a true freshman last year. Uh, and you know, there he is, uh, he was going to redshirt. Next thing you know, he's playing corner in the sugar bowl against Alabama. Uh, and Keenan Garber, a receiver switched to corner, uh, the week of TCU preparations for the big 12 championship, because they had some injuries in the backups and he ended up playing there and he had played in the sugar bowl. So his first two games are, are, you know, just for a Big 12 championship in Alabama. That's it. Uh, he has now kind of slid into the starting lineup. Will Lee, their, one of their junior college kids that came in, has been really good, uh, got injured. And Keenan Garber gives him uh, – Will Lee's more of a long, lanky guy like Julius Brents. Uh, Keenan can run. Keenan's one of the faster guys on the team. Jacob Parrish is one of the faster guys on the team. So while they're not real big corners, they will run with really good receivers. 
Yeah, Tim, I thought last year Julius Brantz being knocked out of the game, that really hurt the Wildcats yeah. and really helped the Longhorns. But we'll see what happens this week at 11 a.m. Now, the running game, you know, Deuce Von Lees, which he'll always hold a special place in my heart, being a Central Texas kid. I still don't understand why Tom Herman didn't recruit that guy, but that's a big reason why he's not here anymore. <laughs> what have you seen with Giddings and Ward and obviously Johnson and we know Will Howard He's fleet of foot too. But what has this running game shown you with the departure of somebody as good as Deuce Vaughn was? You know, when you start shuffling your quarterbacks, everyone thinks you're a bad coach or you're crazy. When you shuffle your running backs and it works, you're brilliant. Um, and they have been. They've been kind of passing off who's got the hot hand. Uh, Giddens went for more than 200 against UCF. Um, let's be honest. We, we could kind of get up there. We could get at least 150 <laughs> against UCF's defense. Um, but, uh, he looked really good. Uh, Ward comes back from his injury and looks really good. I think it was Texas tech. Uh, Giddens was great last week against Houston. Just doesn't go down on the, they're different running backs. He does not go down on the first contact. He is a bigger guy. Uh, he's not going to run away from many teams. Uh, he did against TCU on a, a screen pass that he just took to the house, but uh, Ward is the more elusive shifty guy kind of brings back some deuce memories of some of those moves, but neither one of them is deuce Vaughn. But put together, they have been incredibly effective. And in fact, DJ Giddens, I just saw in the broadcast, at least heading into last week, is the leading running back in receptions this season in the Big 12. So um, it's it's interesting. They they have not backed off throwing to their running backs out of the backfield one bit this season, even though they're missing a guy like Deuce Vaughn, who was just a game changer. You know, Fitz, it's weird to me, especially someone who's covered Texas as long as I have. Texas couldn't solve the purple kryptonite. Yeah. No matter what. It didn't matter who was coaching Ron Prince. I mean, it, it just didn't matter. Now, Texas what? won six in a row in this series, and it's just like where just what? totally flipped. And yeah. you know what? I think it was Texas. I, I think it all was about Texas before and after Texas just never took K state seriously. They just, and I don't know how many times I got bludgeoned over the head with this uh, before Tom Herman of all people realized, Hey, uh, I know we always circle Oklahoma. We better save a little bit for this team because they keep beating us. Um, and it's been totally different since it. And uh, it uh, last year in Manhattan was a butt whooping. Um, the best play for Texas was, uh, a, a very complex play called a handoff. Um, <laughs> they, they turned around and handed it to one of their two NFL running backs who then uh, were so effective. I, I think some co-eds went home pregnant. It was a really big performance. <laughs> it was a really explosive showing and uh, they couldn't stop them. It was pathetic. And it was, you know, when someone's doing that to you, it's demoralizing uh, and it was demoralizing for K-State, but you know, they keep, they just bounce back from that and move on. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it, this is a big game and Texas knows that, but there's only one pathway for K-State to return to the big 12 championship. And that's first step win in Austin. Yeah. I think it's for both of these teams, yeah. you know, I mean, with Texas losing to OU and, uh, and K-State losing to Oak state, it, there's no margin for error. None. Nope. Um, you know, and, the the thing about Texas, if they win this game, they've got tiebreakers in on so many of the teams that are competing. Uh, let's not forget Iowa State, at least this week, is still in the mix somehow, some way. 
Uh, Matt Campbell might be a wizard. Um, but, uh, yeah, this, this big 12 race is a blast. It's, it's a crazy, it's absolutely insane how tight this thing is. So you've seen Oklahoma state Mm -hmm. and you've seen, I don't know, has K state already played Iowa state? No, they, that's their last game of the season. Farmageddon for Thanksgiving. It'll be fun. Farmageddon. And K-State still plays Kansas, right? Right. That's the game before. So after this game, they uh, after going to Texas, they come home and play Baylor. Um, and then they go to Kansas. And then they play host to uh, Iowa State. So this is the last out-of-state game for the regular season for K-State. Okay. Tim, when you look at this Texas team, what would you tell Kansas State fans to be most worried about? Just their athleticism, physicality, their their ability is off the charts. I mean, we saw it against Alabama. This is a team that can beat anyone in the country, can play at the highest levels. They don't always do that uh, for whatever reason. Uh, but, you know, it's a really effective running game. They take away your running game. That's For me, that's the whole game right there. If Kansas State can slow down Texas's running game and find a way to run the ball enough uh, to keep that defense honest, with so Will Howard can open it up a little bit. Um, but yeah, this is this is an enormous challenge. I have a good feeling about this game just because K State's playing so well. But look, we, we we've all been around this conference. Every game self-contained. I mean, what what Houston did against Texas had absolutely nothing to do with what they played, how they played in Manhattan. You got to come every week. And if you don't, you're going to get embarrassed um, no matter who you're playing. Uh, and so now K-State's got to go out and do it in this game and keep the ball rolling. Yeah. What uh, When you look at this and, you know, are there some key players on defense who have to deliver for them to win this game? And who are those guys? Well, Khalid Duke is the main. They've got some really good defensive ends that all apply pressure. Uh, but Khalid Duke is the guy that slid into Felix Andy Diki Uzama's position. He he was, it's kind of funny, you go back, what, three years ago? It was Khalid Duke everyone was talking about at defensive end, and then he destroys a knee, and they put this young guy named Felix in that we didn't even, didn't even know how to pronounce his name right, uh, and he turns out to be pretty good. Uh, and that last year he finally came back, played linebacker some for K-State. Uh, and they moved him back up to D end. He he learned a lot about the game, but he is a presence. He's a different defensive end than Felix. He's more of a power guy, but he's been really effective. Keep an eye on him. Also a linebacker named Desmond Purnell, a, a Topeka kid. It's amazing what Kansas State has done with Kansas kids. Uh, this guy was uh, it's kind of funny. Joe Klanderman, the defense coordinator, talked about when he came in as a freshman as a safety, they knew something was up. Uh, because he didn't look like the other safeties in the room. He had a butt. I thought that was, you know, that's that's good scouting right there. The size of a player's ass is important to the room they should be sitting in. So they, ass. Yeah, yes, they moved him up to linebacker. He was kind of a, a you know, in-progress type thing last year, um, and now he's really good. Guys, he's really good as a Sam linebacker. Uh, so those guys are two of them. But another kid that uh, Texas overlooked, uh, Kobe Savage, coming out of junior college down in Texas. He's a Texas kid. Uh, he's an NFL safety again. They have done – this staff does an incredible job identifying safeties, whether it's the FCS level like a Josh Hayes who 
was out of North Dakota State, and then he went to Virginia and came to K-State, or a junior college guy. They have just done an incredible job of finding highly effective safeties, and Kobe Savage is that for this team. He's a team captain, and he is a headhunter. Tim, what are your thoughts on Chris Kleiman this year? Obviously, Oklahoma State loss and the Missouri loss was tough, but what y'all have done since has been very impressive, and Kleiman, one of the most underrated coaches in all of college football. How impressed have you been with him, especially these last three weeks? Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of concern about this team with that Oklahoma State performance, that something had gone wrong in the locker room, and it hadn't. It was just one of those days where y'all got off the bus and didn't you know you probably didn't stay at a Hampton Inn and had a lousy breakfast um so I I don't I don't know what happened there but this is the same thing he did last year at this last year at this time they were six and two and and four and one and they just you know went on a a run uh to end up in the Big 12 championship and uh and won it so now that run has to include a win at Texas and that is a far bigger challenge than they faced last year that in that stretch of games what about, um, I mean, this offensive line is amazing. Uh-huh. I mean, that to, to me, that's why these running backs, it doesn't, yep. it almost doesn't matter who's back there because this offensive line, we just talk about them and, and BB back at center. And yeah, it's kind of incredible because of injuries, um, an injury last year and then an injury to start this season. They currently have like seven starters on the offensive line. Uh, they have they rotating guys at right tackle. Christian Duffy had started every game at K-State in his career and, and injured an ankle before the season. And they put in a young guy, Carver's, Carver Willis, who I think the consensus among all of us, including Carver, he stunk. He just wasn't very good. They struggled. And now he's playing at a really high level. On the interior, Taylor Portier, uh, another Kansas kid, has blown out both knees now. Um, and it's is back again. I I think he'll probably return for a super senior season next year because he just isn't as healthy. But they finally found five guys working together, and they can rotate some guys in, and they're blowing people off the ball. Cooper Beebe murdered a man uh, last Saturday. I'm, I'm worried he's going to have to lay low for a while. Uh, he depleted a poor defensive back on a touchdown run. Oh, and, wow. You know, it was one of yeah, those, <laughs> yeah, when you're, the guy's floating in the air, wondering when he'll, he'll land, his feet are above his head. Uh, yeah, Cooper Beebe's a highlight reel. And, and then he went out on Halloween uh, in Aggieville as uh, Nacho Libre. So he really had a good morning and evening in Kansas. <laughs> what about special teams? <laughs> well, you, Chip, you've been around a long time. Kansas State has won a lot of games with special teams. They're not going to win a game with special teams this year. It's it's as bad as it's been, and it's not bad. It's just not K State. It's not they haven't had a single return that really has even threatened to go the distance. Um, and maybe that's a change in rules. Maybe it's a change in the person overseeing. And they've got a new special teams, whatever the title is, um, non-coach who coaches that everyone knows they coach, but they don't coach. You know that one of those titles, um, an analyst, and. Um, it just hasn't been good. Uh, they finally stabilized the place kicking. The punting's always been good. The snapping's outstanding. Uh, but the return game has been trash, and the coverage game has not been good until recently when uh, a senior walk-on, also team captain, Seth Porter, said, enough of this crap. We're going to be good in special teams, at least coverage, and coverage has been really good last three weeks. 
So, Tam, you're saying Terrence Newman or Darren Sproles won't be walking in that door anytime no. soon in return of kicks and punts. No, I mean, let's be honest. The kickoff rules have changed, and they, that took something fun out of the game, but it's, it's safer. But even on uh, – they're just not building any walls on punt returns for Phillip Brooks, who's been an all-conference returner. Uh, but, yeah, they, they just don't have that X factor right now on kickoff returns. It's just they've, – they've moved uh, Treshawn Ward to that role now, but – you just don't give me any opportunities anymore. Yeah. All right, Fitzy. You said uh, you have a good feeling. Yeah. This Saturday. How do you think it plays out? I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, these two teams are going to go after each other again. If K State comes out and asserts themselves uh, along the line to just kind of hold their own, this Texas front on both sides of the ball is amazing. To hold their own and create enough um, room to be disruptive to what else Texas wants to do, whether that's pressuring a young quarterback without committing a bunch of resources or it's simply establishing some form of a run game that for which Texas has to account. They have to, you know, do something to stop it. Um, if they do, I think K-State's going to win this game. I really do. I honestly do. It's not just, uh, you know, the purple guy uh, being a homer. I think this K-State team is playing at an extremely high level right now. I know it was TCU. I know it was Houston. Um, but anytime you, 82 to three back-to-back games against conference opponents. You're doing something right. But it was also in Manhattan. And this one's uh, not Manhattan. It's down in Austin. This was a really good team on the road last year. Uh, And this year they haven't been. So we'll see if they can uh, build off that win at Texas Tech a few weeks ago and and go to Austin. Am I going to see you this weekend? You are not going to see me. All right. Look, you know, Chip, I'm a giver. I, I like, I sacrifice for my guys. Uh, so I've got two of my guys going to Austin and K-State basketball opens Monday night in Las Vegas. So, I thought, yeah, I thought, look, nobody wants to go to Las Vegas. <laughs> it stinks. It's, it's kind of like, uh, uh, I don't want to say Lubbock. I don't want to, I don't want to say that. <laughs> you know, Las Vegas, uh, Nevada, Las Vegas, New Mexico. Who, what's the difference? Right. So I decided to go and, and, and go early so that I'm properly prepared to cover a basketball game on Monday night. Uh, but I'll be there. I'll be in, I think, Circa on Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Vegas time watching K-State and Texas. I love it. I love Let it. Let me ask you a quick basketball yeah, question, Tim, absolutely. before we go. Marquise Noel, gone. <laughs> Jerome Tang's bringing in new guys just like they did last year. How's this 2024 team supposed to look? Well, if you recall last year, uh, they were good, but they didn't really flip the switch until Big 12 play. And I think that'll be the case. They flipped it against Texas. Yeah, they absolutely did. Uh, And they were really good in Big 12 play. They kind of discovered who they were and sort of played a Marquise's uh, personality. Tyler Perry coming out of North Texas, uh, transferring up to Kansas State is huge. Uh, They've got a Creighton transfer that is huge. Uh, You know what? Their, Their biggest issue right now is, uh, Naquan Tomlin, probably their best returner, has, has had some issues off the court. We don't know what the first issue was, but he did manage. He had a, a really good Saturday night. He, he managed to get arrested in Aggieville on Saturday night. So that's something we still got to figure out what's going on with that. But uh, that's hard to do. Uh, well, well, yeah. Yeah. It, depends. It, 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 it can be. Um, and he pulled it off. Uh, it's kind of <laughs> like. Uh, it's kind of like winning that Sweet 16 game. People said you couldn't do it, but he got it done. Betsy, <laughs> you're the best, man. I'm sorry I'm not going to see you. I, I know. Um, well, 
I may send you some Venmo to put down on something. So I, I don't, I, I'll be, I don't know what you're talking about. I'll be in church. <laughs> it's, you're the best. We will, uh, we'll talk again soon, my friend. Hell, we, they may be playing again in Cherry World. Who knows? I know. I know. If, if K-State can win this game, it'll be fun to sort out. Uh, they still got a lot of challenges ahead of them if they take care of that, uh, who they would play because Bedlam plays into this. Texas has got so many tiebreakers. Um, I don't know. It, just as long as it's not Kansas, I'm all in. <laughs> They're so annoying. Just, just oh. go stick to basketball. What are you doing? Yeah. Why are you good in football all of a sudden? Man, no wonder the world's a mess. Fitzy, uh... here, boys. Thank you so much. Okay, good to talk yeah, to you. Appreciate it. Fitzgerald, go powercat.com. Life of Fitz on Twitter. All right. Zay, we gotta we gotta get after it, my man. Yeah, um, man. that was great. That was he's he's a character, man. He's amazing. Character. He is a character. Um, you know who else is a character? Uh, Dr. Greg Eckert, Dr. U E C K E R T, uh, Austin's dentist, who also happens to be the mastermind behind the Brain Vault mouth guard. If you need dentistry, go to dr.ueckert.com uh, to set up an appointment. If you have a, a child or a team of athletes, whether they're lacrosse players, cheerleaders, football, basketball, they need to be protected. And the Brain Vault Mouth Guard is patented, proven to reduce the effects of concussion because, and it's like your kid's going to love it because of the way it feels like it's not that stiff rubber that like chews up your gums. This is like, it feels like pillows on your teeth. Um, and they have that lower mouth guard for the cheerleaders so that they can smile and stay, you know, smiling. Um, but all you need to do is go to brainvault.com. They do group fittings. They will come to you. Um, it's amazing. I mean, B. John Robinson wears the Brain Vault mouth guard. Just make sure that your kids are protected with Brain Vault as well. BrainVault.com. Um, Zay, chip shot real quickly today. I'm just going to tell you that uh, the Lions, okay? I want everyone to, here's your homework assignment. Go to Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. Enjoy the beginnings menu, $5 off the beginnings menu, all night happy hour tonight, and just enjoy the Lions. There you go. There's the chip shot. Zay, <laughs> it is time for the right call, my man. Yeah, man. And before we get to the right call, definitely got to shout out Covert BK, the family-owned automotive dealership and crew that's been serving the greater Austin area for over a 100 years. And they've been committed to providing you with a high-quality selection of pre-owned and new vehicles, as well as outstanding service and customer satisfaction. Hey, you can't beat it. Only at Covert B Cave, they got this, and the rest of the Covert families around the greater Austin area. You got seven terrific brands to choose from GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler, Dodge, Buick. 
Ram and Jeep. You will find what you want at Covert B Cave. That SUV, that truck, that two door, the sunroof, all the fixings. You're going to find what you want at Covert B Cave. And you can go to covertbcave.com so you can see all the specials and latest inventory. Nobody beats a covert deal. Not now, not ever. And who's going to be there on Friday? The one Ricky! And only Ricky Williams, baby. Ricky's in town for a celebration, 25th anniversary, Jesus, of his 1998 oh. Heisman Trophy. And he will be out there at Covert B Cave with uh, Bucky and BK. Bucky, his Ricky Williams running backs coach at Texas. So big reason why he came here, man. That Bucky Gobble. Yep. Yep. The Buckster. Yeah, man. All, All right, right. the right call with uh, yeah, a little Perse Hilton for your ass today, a little spiciness, and I don't know how you're gonna feel about this story, Chip, because I don't know how I feel about this story. So you remember former NBA number one pick, 1995, Joe Smith, former Maryland Terrapin. Yep. Yeah, did it pan out to be? what a number one pick should be still had a solid career. I want to say he played over a decade from 95 to 2011. So that's still he a was, pretty good career. No Milicic. Yeah. He was no Darko Milicic, but when you're number one, that means you're supposed to be a hall of famer. And Joe Smith was everything but that, but he went viral this week because he is finding out that his wife has made an OnlyFans and has had one for a while, and he just found it out. For some of y'all who have been hiding under a rock for the last few years, OnlyFans is kind of a porn site where you could be your own person and make your own money without having a middleman. So you could go post on OnlyFans, make it an account, charge whatever you want, 20 a month, 10 a month, 5 a month, whatever, and people will purchase that so they could see the goodies, hopefully. There's some OnlyFans accounts, Chip, that are kind of scammy where you might pay that money and it's just some girl in bikinis and stuff. You don't want those. You want to make sure that it's legit and they out here showing and they out here showing that birthday suit for real. If you ain't showing that birthday suit, then don't be charging no 20 a month. You ain't worth it, baby girl. Is Joe or Smith's wife showing the birthday suit? You showing the birthday suit and Joe has a problem with it, which I get it. It's It was a shock to him. She let him know and she put it like she made a video to where she is talking to him about it and she's blaming him because she's not living the luxurious lifestyle that she thought she would have to. So in order for her to live that wonderful lifestyle, she's going to have to make some money on the side while Joe's over here like, yo, you're showing the goodies to the people, but you're my wife. I don't know that. What gives? Like there's a certain respect when it comes to being in a relationship, being married to one another. Homegirl, you got to let Joe know. You know what I'm saying? You got to let him know. But Joe, this is 2023. Like if she's willing to show her body out there and make her own money, which helps you, then you can't be that mad. You know what you married. 
You know what I'm saying? And, you know, Joe's trying to claim that he doesn't know what he married because, again, he was shocked by this. This was random. She didn't let him know. He just found out, like the rest of us, that his wife has had a secret OnlyFans for a long time showing all those biddies and lady lumps, as Fergie liked to say with the Black Eyed Peas back in the day. And, hey, Joe, I could get your pain, but also if she's making that bank, how can you really be mad? You know what I'm saying? If she's making some serious coin, if she has good feedback, good stats, you know, just bringing in that bank from month to month, then how can you be mad as a man? You know, like they want to see my wife. They're not getting with her. It's just her. It's not like she's with other guys. So how mad could Joe be really? Man. When was his career over? 2011. So drafted in 95, number one pick, Maryland. I mean, he bounced around. Oh, he was always bad. He was on a different team every year, basically. He's, yeah, he did not pan out to what he was supposed to be. Well, let me let me look at his uh, contract situation. <laughs> hey, so you got to justify. Because, yeah, that's in the video, homegirl saying, I wouldn't have to do this if my life was different. Like, she said that, which every man, like, that hurts. To have your wife say that, hey, you ain't providing enough for me, baby. Like, I need a lifestyle that's a little bit more magical of what you've given me, Joe. So if I have to make my money by showing the goods to the folks, then so be it. Like, you can't be mad at that, partner, as much as you would love to be mad and you think that your woman's out here maybe cheating or, you know, Joe sounds like a nice Christian man with the way he's talking. $61.2 million. How much? $61.2 million. Okay. They shouldn't be begging for cheese on their Whopper. What you mean? Like he made sixty one point two million. Did so? What if he was uh, like Vy and going to the Cheesecake Factory with the homies every night? Huh? What if he was like Vince and going to the Cheesecake Factory with the homies every night? Ordering <laughs> Louis the Fourteen shots. <laughs> Don't do it. Yo, Vince. You don't. I know that's the big menu, Vince. You don't have to try everything on it. That's what Vince I felt was, like Vince was doing, like trying everything on the menu every night, and the homies were doing the same. And ordering Louis the 14th shots. Oh, man. Like $75 a shot. Ooh. He'd, he'd go to Friday's and order Louis the 14th shots. Like, how about if we just go to Friday's, we just get whatever's on the well special, you know? Can we just get, hey, what's what do you got for happy hour? Yeah. I don't need to be ordering $75 shots every time I go. Oh, Vince, man. I love you, Vince. I do, man. But hey, you're an example for a lot of pro athletes. You're an example. I'm glad VY's got, you know, he's working at Texas. He's got his groove. His wife is amazing. She's a lawyer. There I'm just like, so Joe Smith, I don't know what happened, dog. <laughs> You made $61.2 million. Like, if you just took $2 million and put it in a CD or something, I mean, God. The, 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 
the number of guys who blow their money in the NBA is astounding. It's like 68% are broke two years after they retire. Two, two years after they retire. Sad, man. Yo, mama, you ain't getting that house. That's what they all do, especially the ones that come from the ghetto. They all feel obligated to buy mama the crib. Like, mama, come live with me. Like, I, this needs to last because obviously, mama, I love you, but you're older than me, so I'm going to be around when you gone. And, yes, you did a lot work in those eight jobs that you worked in the food stamps and stuff. I get that. You know, the dirt on the rug in the house type lifestyle. I get you wanting to give back to mama and pops and just everybody that you feel loyal to to help you get to where you are. I understand that. But they need to understand. That's why I'm a huge fan of Aaron Rodgers off the field. To him, For him not talking to his family and not talking to his brother and all that stuff, his brother was on The Bachelorette. His brother was on The Bachelorette, the former Missouri quarterback that you see on the four-letter network doing some TV work from time to time for different Jordan. games. Jordan, yeah, he does the SEC stuff. He was on The Bachelorette, and they made Aaron Rodgers look like shit, Chip. They made him look like he didn't talk to the family and all this and that. And come to find out, they wanted stuff from Aaron Rodgers. They wanted him to put money to the family and this and that. Aaron Rodgers was like, nah, nah. <laughs> that don't sound accurate to me because mom and dad and whoever else has been asking, cousin Larry and stuff that needs to start up his business and needs that 10000 a month. Like, nah, y'all weren't with me when I was working on that rocket arm that I got or that quick release that I'm known for. So I'll help maybe from time to time. But once y'all start trying to take advantage of me, ugh, cut them off. Cut them off. Easy. Didn't Easy. Jordan, didn't Jordan Rogers marry JoJo? Yeah, JoJo, one of my favorite bachelorettes. She's amazing. I, I still don't know how he bagged that. Yeah, married JoJo, and they tried to make Aaron Rodgers look like the villain, like he's this bad guy, which we know Aaron Rodgers has his luggage. But, yo, if you're asking for stuff that you don't necessarily deserve just because you feel obligated because you're family, you deserve to get cut off. That's how folks go broke out here. And, yeah, these athletes, they feel the need that they have to just give back all this stuff when – Years go on and they don't got it no more. And they were like, oh, I wonder where my money went. Because your mama was taking 50000 to Windstar Resort and blowing it on the crowd table. That's why. Because you wanted to be a nice guy and put a smile on her face. Well, she needs to understand that money don't grow on trees, man. And, yeah, these athletes get it together. Joe Smith, get it together. Get it together. Get it together. But, yeah. That, that's a sad video, man. That's a sad video. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, if my wife came to me randomly. And... Tell me what really happened with Matthew Perry. Oh, man. What that, the hell? He that's sad, man. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't look into that because that's just too sad for me. My wife's a big friend's gal, so I know that hurts her a little bit. But only 54, man. That's it. Damn. Yeah. That's Damn. it. So God. I guess everybody else is okay. You know, LeBlanc or Schumer, David Schumer, Anderson, and Gordon Cox still doing stuff. You know, I see her from time to time. Mm -hmm. Who? 
Phoebe. Yeah, I never knew her name. I never knew Phoebe's name. She she obviously doesn't get the love that Jennifer Anderson and Courtney Cox get, but she's all right. All right. <laughs> she's all right. You know. I'd say. Listen, we're gonna have much more this week. We got we got our man Hummer tomorrow. We'll get into we'll get into much more audio. And we will count down to Texas K State. Big noon kickoff Saturday at eleven a.m. Big Twelve title game implications. Let's go! Don't forget, Ricky Williams will be joining Brad and BK Friday morning live from COVID BK. Let's go, man! You going to the game tonight? Basketball game tonight? No. Yeah, neither am I. Longhorn Network. Let's go. D2. <laughs> I'll have my two TVs going. Lions, yep. Texas basketball. Texas basketball. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. But Hi, right, y'all. Chip, great show, man. I'll see you tomorrow, 1 o'clock. Great show. Let's do it again tomorrow. Let's go. Y'all be cool. Peace.